Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. As we turn to Matthew chapter 6 today, Matthew chapter 6 will be starting in verse 19 of Matthew 6 and appreciate the young people singing and, and uh, the practice that's going on for Christmas happening and thank you for encouraging them with that as well. Matthew chapter 6 and starting in verse 19 it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's a great statement and a great thought to remember. And it's just, a, it's just a truth. It's just a fact. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I hope that if we were to pull out your wallet, we couldn't hear your heart beating there. Uh, but I know that there are people that that's is, that is where their heart is. And uh, that's a shame. That's a sad thing. And I'm reminded of the story of David Livingston in Africa who spent his life in Africa. You might even heard the expression Dr. Livingston, I presume, uh, where the man spent all of his life down in Africa. And when he died, uh, they wanted to bury him in Westminster Abbey. And so they requ requested that his body be sent home to be buried in Westminster Abbey. And they did, but they were horrified to open up the container and to find David Livingston's body had been uh, mutilated, had been uh, harmed. And, and uh, what happened is, is that the natives had cut open his chest and removed his heart. And of course, they sent back a wire and a message to Africa saying, what did you do with the heart? And of course, their opinion was that they did something awful with it. And the message came back months later, you may have Mr. Livingston's body, but his heart belongs in Africa and that that's a testimony of of what they knew was his heart and I wonder where would they bury your heart and where would they bury my heart where your treasure is there will your heart be also verse 22 says the light of the body is the eye if therefore thine eye be single thy whole body shall be full of light we close one eye usually to focus but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? If you are not focused and you're not single-minded in your focus, <coughs> you're taking in other things and there's, it's out of focus. Verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon you can't you can't try to serve both it will not work therefore i say unto you take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment behold the fowls of the air for they sold not so not neither do they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feedeth them are you not much better than they which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto day is the evil thereof. I'm going to pray and then we'll go on. By the way, I should have mentioned this in the announcements and I just forgot to say it, but uh, pray for the Beyer family. A month, Two months ago, I showed a video of the first pastor of the church, uh, Kevin Beyer, and uh, at the time I mentioned that his wife was ill with cancer and she passed away this past week. And so pray for their family. The funeral is this coming Friday on the 9th down in Texas. So uh, if you could remember them in your prayer as well. And it, it was through him, and he was single at the time when he was here, but it was through him that this church began some 26 years ago now. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to preach and teach and to discover and to talk about what your word says and help us to be focused and to hear from you today and that uh, whatever the reason you impressed upon my mind to speak it, that you would now impress upon the minds and hearts of people to hear it. I also pray for the buyers, and we thank you for their family, their children, uh, the testimony that they have, and now Shiloh is in heaven. So we pray that you would encourage and comfort them, and uh, we thank you for heaven. Thank you for the, the fact that this is not all there is. We ask now that you would speak to us and as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6 again, take no thought. And of course, we started out by talking about treasures, laying out for yourselves treasures upon earth. Now, Jesus is not saying, don't think in it, don't, don't ever think about these things. But to consume yourself, to be consumed with these thoughts, first of all, treasures for treasures. I would say that if, if they were honest, people who have chased after treasures will tell you that it did not satisfy the way they thought it would once they got what they thought they wanted. I've heard the expression, they got what they wanted and lost what they had. And a lot of times that's the truth. I would encourage you to do what Jesus said, to take thought for treasures, but not take thought for earthly investment, but rather heavenly what a blessing it is to invest in eternal things. What's eternal, Pastor? Well, I can't send my truck to heaven. I can't send this building to heaven. I even can't send, send my, my actual dollars to heaven. But what I can do is I can use my dollars or my truck or even a building or whatever means I have. I can use it to give honor and glory to God and to serve him with it. And that is treasure laid in heaven. There are young people with us today, some just sang here a few minutes ago, and not all of them come from a home that is a Christian home. But you know what? There is a love and a concern for them amongst our church. And when, they're, when they are reached for Jesus Christ, that is treasure in heaven. That is treasure that cannot be taken away. I think of a young man, Jacob. I mentioned him several months ago. He was here for just a short while, maybe maybe about a year. He was a foster child, and so he was in a foster home situation, and he was with us for a short while. He moved on. He ended up in Florida, and he was killed on a street corner by a car in Florida. He was only maybe 12 at the time. But when he was here, about 10, he trusted Christ as his Savior. 
And so as grieved and as shocked as we were to hear, we were instantly gratified knowing where he is right now. That is treasure in heaven. And there is many things that we can do. Now, I thank the Lord, and I'm so thankful for the, the, the property that we have and the, and the building that we have and the, the vehicles that we use to pick up uh, people with. And that's a blessing. And don't ever think that that isn't important because that is what leads to working for treasure in heaven. I mean, people wouldn't come here if there wasn't a building that was taken care of. They wouldn't be able to come here if they didn't have a ride and there was a vehicle that was taken care of to give them a ride. We all have a part. And then you heard this missionary's letter a few minutes ago and how that he gets from place to place in a dinghy. What's a dinghy? It's a boat that goes up and down the river. And that's his means of transportation. And that's how he gets to the local store, wherever he needs to go to. And you have an opportunity to support that. And then when you hear about R and these others that he asked prayer requests for, if they get saved, then that's treasure in heaven that we have opportunity to invest in. (coughs) Be careful that you're not focused on earthly treasure. I'm not saying that it's wrong if you have some treasure. But if God's blessed you with treasure, understand that he probably has something he wants you to do with it. And if you have tried very hard to get treasure and it just doesn't seem to happen, maybe understand that God doesn't want you to have that extra. But instead to focus on laying up treasure in heaven. And then it goes on to say in verse number 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Now again, Jesus is not saying you should never think about eating. But that that shouldn't be your focus and, and your constant concern. And, and I suppose mothers especially and fathers can become cons- very concerned when there isn't enough food to eat. But we don't, especially in this country, don't usually have that issue. Or then for clothes. Food and clothing. I'm thankful for clothes that I have to wear and to put on and, and I'm, I'm disappointed in myself if I can't put them on anymore uh, and uh, I've eaten too much and I've got to cut back on something. It's, it's certainly not a lack thereof. But I honestly, I, I, don't, I don't really spend a whole lot of time worrying about that. Now, of course, I get excited when my wife makes certain meals and, whoo, that was good. You can do that again. She made a quiche yesterday morning. And uh, she never had made it before. And we were just raving about it. But she has one major, major flaw. She never writes anything down. And we, so we, we kidded and said, well, enjoy it while it lasts. We'll never get this one again. And, but no, we, we're, we're, and we're, we know it. And this is why Sam will never get married. Because Sam does not want to move out of the house. Sam knows what he's in for. If He's not going to get what, what he's got at home and, but seriously, for food and clothing, yes, we need it. But can I, I think I can say this and you would understand. You can tell when someone's spent a little too much time thinking about their clothes. It, it's overboard. Maybe think about somebody else who doesn't have what they need to wear. And then just life's circumstances. No man can serve two masters, verse 24. Either you'll hate the one, love the other. You can't be loyal to one and the other at the same time. And verse 32 says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And you say, well, pastor, you don't understand the problem I walked in with today. I don't probably. 
but I know that he does and he did know about it before you even knew about it. And you can get yourself overly consumed with life's circumstances and problems. You need to learn to give them to the Lord. Of course he wants you to eat and of course he wants you to wear clothes and of course he wants you to have funds to pay your needs and meet your needs with. And of course he wants to help you with your circumstances but he wants you to learn to be dependent on him for those things rather than trying to just do it all by yourself. He goes on to say, consider the birds and the flowers. Verse 26, behold the fowls of the air for they sow not, they don't. They never plant. <coughs> Birds don't farm. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? The birds don't do all that planning and organizing, but God makes sure they get fed. And are you not better than they? He, there's not one that falls to the ground without his notice. His eye is on the sparrow. And verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? Why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet, yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. It's beautiful. In fact, someone brought in two beautiful pots of poinsettias. That's what they are, right? Good. All right. That's how flower knowledgeable I am. And these beautiful flowers, by the way, in case you didn't know, these are real. And and I think everybody here probably already guessed that because they just look good. These are not real. And typically we can tell the difference. Why? Because man can't reproduce what God can do. They just, they, you just, I mean, maybe far away, but not when you get up close. And the lilies are the same way. They, they don't toil. They don't work hard. They just, you know what lilies do? They just grow where they're planted. Instead of worrying about being somewhere else, they just grow where they're planted. I don't know who it was that started planting tulips right next to my front door, but they're still popping up every year. They just grow where they're planted. And I wonder about us. We, we want to be somewhere else or we want to do something else or we're, we're trying so hard to look beautiful and God is trying hard to make us beautiful if we just stop uprooting and doing it our way. Consider the birds and the flowers. And then he says in verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, he's talking about the harvest and and wheat being baked eventually. Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? That that phrase, O ye of little faith, occurs several times in Matthew. And here it's talking, of course, about our needs and God supplying our needs. But in chapter number 8, we have another story. And this time, <coughs> Jesus has put his disciples in the boat, and he's gotten in the boat with them in the ship. And the Bible says that there was a great tempest in 824, and so much that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. 
Now think about it. Jesus is in the boat with you. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith, he says. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He just got up and he rebuked them, and then he rebuked the water and the wind. Stop it! And it was calm again. O ye of little faith. Listen, I'm in the boat with you. Whose idea was it to get in this boat? And I'm here with you. Why are you worried? Is the Lord with you? Are you in the boat he told you to get in? Then, next chapter, chapter 14, it's the story of Peter walking on the water. This time, the disciples are in the boat, and he's not in the boat with them. Jesus is not with him, but he did put them in the ship, and they should have learned their lesson and not been so worried and troubled. But then in the middle of this storm, where they're very much traumatized, the Bible says that Jesus comes walking, verse 25 of chapter 14. Jesus went into them walking on the sea. (laughs) There's no exclamation point. It's just he comes to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Not just with the storm, but now they're troubled because they think it's a ghost. It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I love Peter. Lord, if walking on the water is possible, I want to try it. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. He took his eyes off of you-know-who and started looking at the problem. And it began to sink and cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? We take our eyes off the Lord. Our our eye is not single focused. We got one eye on Jesus, but we got the other eye on the storm. You can't serve two masters. You can't be double-minded. It won't work. O ye of little faith. I trust. I'm like Peter. I trust, but but what about that? I trust, but 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 look over there. O ye of little faith. And then chapter 16. They had run out of food. And he says in verse 6, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said to them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. Don't you remember that I fed 5,000 at one time? Think. I love Sunday school. I love the junior church time. I love the anchor club time because those children are learning about Jesus who did walk on water. They're learning, Miss Wilma's teaching about how that Jesus fed 5,000. Mr. Pryor's teaching some other lesson about maybe Moses held out his rod and, and everything just, all the water turned to red blood. And and then there's stories about how Jesus, he, he healed the blind man and he heals the lepers and he, he healed the man who couldn't walk and and, and they hear those stories and they grow up believing Jesus can do that. And he can. And he does. But when we get older, we start to think maybe he can't. Or maybe he won't for me. 
O ye of little faith. Now I do not believe that it is necessary that people in Custer walk on water. But if God wills it, it can happen. I do not believe that it is necessary that Jesus feeds 5,000 all at once. I'm not saying he has to, but I do know that he takes care of his own. In fact, Psalm 37 and verse 25 says, I've been young and now I'm old, and I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And you think about that. Are you one of his? When it says his seed, his children, are you one of his children? Are you a child of God? Are you born again? Listen to me. If you are, he doesn't neglect his own. If he allows you to get into a a place where you're hungry, it's only because he wants you to learn a lesson. The prodigal got into the pig pen and was eating pig's food, but it was only because he needed to come to himself. But we are never forsaken if we're God's children. Listen, if you go around telling people that you're one of God's children and you start to advertise for him, he's going to have to take care of you in order for him to not look bad. I mean, seriously, think about it. If you're going to brag on God, he's going to have to come through. Now, I'm not saying that you you just make God up to be something he's not, but I'm just saying that it's a bad example and a very bad testimony for God if you are living for him and he's not feeding you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. The problem is, is we don't focus on him and we don't trust him. We trust in our own ways. Oh, ye of little faith, take no thought for for what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. It'll be okay. As long as you're where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, it'll be fine. Don't get overly concerned. How about you? This is me. I'm not worried. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trusting him. I'm worried about what's going to happen. So I fix it myself. And what I really did is just compound my problem. It is very easy to pull out my wallet and to pull out these cards. I got these plastic cards, these nice people. One, one of them, Visa, nice people. And MasterCard, they, they make them for free and they send them to me for free. And then I pull them out and I, and I say, I got a problem and, and I need you to fix it. And those nice people fix it. And then 25 days later, they want their money. And if I don't have it, they compound it. And now I got two problems where I had one before. I'm not saying it's wrong to use plastic. I have them in my pocket. You almost have to nowadays. But you know what? There's a reason why he said earlier in Matthew chapter 6, he said, learn to pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. I can't remember who I was talking to about this. But somewhere along the lines, us clever human beings figured out how to put preservatives into bread and make it last longer. And so now you don't have to have daily bread. You can go to the store and buy weekly bread wrapped in a bag and it'll last because it's got stuff in it it's got stuff in it to make it last longer but how many of us know that that good old fashioned homemade bread's the best kind 
and definitely the most healthy. Someone said, the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. But see, back in those days, it was daily bread. And after a day, it would start to go bad real quick. And so there was a more dependency. And the idea here is that when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, that we truly recognize the importance of a daily dependency. Let's be honest. Most of us don't need God every day in our own minds. We we need him, but eh, tomorrow I got to do this, 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 this. I don't think I need God. Yes, we do. And we need to learn that daily dependency. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, when it says, take no thought. Here's what it means. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Now, that's not talking about your teenager who never thinks before they just do something. You know, watch this. Here, watch this. Famous last words. No, be careful for nothing. That's It's saying be full of care for nothing. In other words, be full of anxiety for nothing. Don't be anxious. Be careful for nothing. It grieves me when I see people walking around with just a burden of care. I've been there. My first reaction is, I want to fix this. I want to fix this look on your face. You look like you're not enjoying life. But the truth is, I can't. But I know someone who can. Be full of care for nothing. But in everything. How many things? Everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, don't forget to thank him and remember what he's already done. Let your requests be made known unto God. And get this. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's what he means when he says, take no thought. Don't give it a second thought. I love, I love this little kid stage. I love it. I, I'm not so excited about this stage. And this stage up here, wow, they're tough. But those little ones... There's a little one, that pretty big dress and she had on today, and, and you could just see her, and she's walking through the building before Sunday school. Miss Wilma! Miss Wilma! And she's running. And I guarantee you, Miss Wilma loves that. I need you! Where'd you go? I don't know everything about God, but I do know this. He loves it when that's the way I call to him. God, I need you! I need you! And if the only time he hears it is when we're in trouble, he just might allow us to be in trouble more. So save yourself some pain and call out to him all the time. And learn to communicate with him on a daily and hourly basis. And learn to be full of care for nothing but prayer and constant communication instead. 
There's no reason for us to treat God as if he lives somewhere and we only visit with him once in a while. But to realize that he is dwelling and has, wants to dwell with us all the time. In fact, the bulletin says, Emmanuel, God with us. We don't have to wait. We don't have to go back to the church building to talk to him. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says it this way, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Try to picture yourself as Peter on the water, and there's Jesus, and there's the storm. And you're trying to focus on Jesus, but you're worrying about the storm. Stop it. I don't mean to sound like Bob Newhart, but stop it. Just focus on him. Just, just, and maybe, just maybe that's why there's a storm. Because he wants you to focus on him. He wants you to stop going to him every time you need something and just to stay with him all the time and stay focused on him and have a single focus that your eye will be single and your whole body full of light. See, don't be like the, this is what the world does. Verse 32 again. For after all these things, all these things, the, the food, the drink, the clothes, our health, our circumstances, our problems, all these things, verse 32, that's what the Gentiles are seeking after. In other words, all the people who are not believers, all the people who do not know God, that's how they operate. That's, I mean, that's how an animal operates. <laughs> Our dog, every morning, she gets fed now in the mornings. That's her, her meal time is in the mornings. And, you know, she went from uh, three times a day and now two times a day and then in the mornings. And that's just part of, we're trying to do it the way they say to do it. And, and she's now getting out of the puppy stage. And so every morning, now there's some mornings, like for instance, the time change, that really messed things up. Because now all of a sudden it's an hour later for us, but it's not an hour later for her. And then it might be a day where we're just we're just not moving in the same schedule as we were Monday through Thursday or something like that, or and so maybe we're a little slower or whatever it might be. And you can just tell, and and sometimes you can just hear the little paw on the on the door. Yahoo! I love that girl. She's a she's a she's a smart dog. She's a good dog. But even I know this. She loves us. She really does, and she she wants to be with us. But we are the hand that feeds her. And, and an animal needs food. And if things get desperate, they'll find it somewhere. And it's not always the right place to be looking. And you know what? People who are not Christians, they act like animals. And they just let nature take over. They have no, nothing but human nature. And so they have nothing in them to understand the need to just trust him. Instead of trusting him, they just do what comes naturally. And it's not just about food. It's about dollar per hour. Listen, dollar per hour, dollar per hour. Oh, this one, did you hear? They're paying this much per hour. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That could be a good job. But you know what? Life is more than just how much it is a dollar per hour. 
I've had men tell me, man, I, I got a job. I was making more money I'd ever made in my life, but it was a horrible job. It was so boring and so mind-numbing. They said, after two nights, I said, I'm done. Can I tell you something? You might get dollar per hour, and you'll find out it didn't meet the satisfaction. You know who knows where you're supposed to be and what job you're supposed to have and just how much he wants you to make? Your maker. But the world doesn't think that way. And then, woo, she's hot. Woo, he's hot. Nature. Just nothing but human nature. Nothing spiritual about it. And they make decisions that are life-changing based on just feeling and emotion and sight. But you and I, if you're a believer, you've got a heavenly father that knows you and knows what you are compatible with and what would be the perfect helpmeet for you and even knows where they are right now. Don't be like the world. No dependence on God. They do not have a heavenly father to give them their daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Pfft, I don't got time for that. I got other ways to find bread. Don't be like the world. Then lastly, this is a great verse. We sing this. In fact, we sang it in Sunday school this morning. Verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. I'm not sure if this is why I even thought of this passage for today, but a few days ago I saw a quote and it went something like this. Don't try to clean up your act so that you can get close to God. Get close to God and he'll clean up your act. Don't, don't, try, to, don't try to do things to get to God. Just get to God and everything else will fix itself. In other words, if I could say it this way, don't try to chase after things and get God to go along with it. Chase after God. And all these things will go along with it if they're necessary. In Genesis 15, God said something to Abraham that's quite interesting. In Genesis 15, here's what God said to Abraham. Abram, I am your reward. Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. Not Abraham, I'm going to give you riches and property and all kinds of stuff. He just said, God said, I am your reward. In fact, I just read in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, he never did obtain the promises here on earth, but he looked for a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. I would encourage you to do what Jesus said here, because it's the only way. Seek ye, the next word is, is first. Earlier I said that someone got first place in the beard contest. The bearded buffalo. Did anybody have a hard time understanding what I meant when I said they got first place? That means that they had the most votes. They're number one. Today is the first day of the week. Next month is the first month of the year. I'm just making sure everybody understands what first is. Where's God in your life? 
Now, a lot of times people have mistakenly called me first. Hey, Matt, first. It's not my name. And then they'll say, ha, the first shall be last. <laughs> a lot of times they're right. But there has been a lot of my life where I was Matt first. It was Matt first. But the answer is Matt not first. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. By placing him first, everything else will fall into place. A young man says, all right, now here's what I want. Here are my dreams, here are my plans, here are my goals. I want this, and 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 then I'll be happy. And as we get older, we realize, got what they wanted and lost what they had. I got everything I planned to get, and I'm still not quite happy. But I know somebody who knows exactly how to meet my need and knows exactly how to bring my life in a complete peace and contentment. In fact, it isn't about dollars per hour. It's not even about material things. And, I, and when I learn to trust him and when I learn to put him not close to first, but first, it's amazing how all these things are added to, unto him. It's amazing how all these other things fall into place when I just put him first. See, if he is king of your life, then it's his kingdom that's your priority. That's the problem. I think most of us are saying, Lord God, please help me with my kingdom. And the prayer is to be not my will but thine be done. In fact, back in the, earlier in the chapter, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The only way God blesses, really truly blesses, is when we put him first. When you put him first, it's just amazing how everything else falls in line. Oh, I'm not saying you can't get your own clothes or you can't work hard and get your own food or you can't do all kinds of stuff and get it yourself. I'm not saying you can't. I'm quite convinced that many in here have the ability and have done that. I'm not saying, in fact, that's kind of the American way. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We are independent. In fact, we even say that we are an independent Baptist church, and that's a good thing. I love independence, and independence is something we celebrate in July, and it's a good thing, except for when it comes to this very thing we're talking about right now. It can't be independence. I was saying in Sunday school, there's a time where you just can't spank your kids anymore, and you can't tell them what to do anymore because they get, they get independent, and they should be out on their own. The truth is, when it comes to our Heavenly Father, there is no age limit on dependence. And He loves you so much, He might be doing something hard to get you to learn that. He just wants you to be, put Him first. He just wants you to say, okay, God, I quit. It's not about me and me, me all the time. It's about, God, what do you want? I keep going to you and telling you what I want, but I don't ever really ask you what you want. 
If he's your king, then his kingdom's the priority, not yours. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then it's amazing how he takes care of you. Why is that? Well, like I said, you keep talking about him, you keep promoting him, you keep serving him, and and do, does he want does he want to, does he want to look like a bad god? Does he want to look like he doesn't take care of his own? No. And he looks down and says, "Boy, that servant of mine just keeps bragging about me and living for me and focusing people's attention on me. There's nothing I can do but bless them." And then quickly Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There could be that you're not saved because you are trusting in your righteousness. Romans chapter 10 says that the Jews of the day were not, were not learned about Christ's righteousness. They were ignorant of Christ's righteousness and they wanted to establish their own righteousness because they hadn't submitted themselves to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're never going to see heaven if you can't seek his righteousness. The only way you can be righteous is to have his righteousness in your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5.21 says that God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we could be made righteous in him. And you know what Isaiah 32.17 says? It says the work of righteousness is peace and the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. When I seek him first and I seek his righteousness and not mine and I seek his kingdom and not mine, it's amazing. It's amazing the difference than when I try to do it my way. I think every man in here probably has dreams and plans and goals and that's, that's fine. That's, that's only natural. But if you're like me, there's been times where God has held it in front of you dangling by a thread saying I'm, I'm going to destroy it because you're making it about your kingdom and not my kingdom and I have to stop and say you're right God it's not been about your kingdom it's not been about your will I have been putting you first it's been me first what are you seeking first my heart's grieved when I see people who are troubled and, and buried in burdens. If you have a problem, join the club. We all do. The difference is, though, is that there are some Christians whose problems are not getting them down because they recognize God's in charge and I can trust him. And if he wants to change my plans and he wants to take everything that I've been drawing and everything I've been working on and he wants to crumple it up and destroy it, it's his kingdom come, it's his will be done. And there are other Christians that are still fighting that and they're angry and frustrated. Or then there might be people who you're not Christian, you're not saved, and you're just wondering why. And listen, it's because he wants you to put him first. He wants you to get saved. If you're saved, he wants you to get right with him. I ask you, what are you seeking first? Is God your God of leftovers? 
I'll take care of everything I got to take care of God and then whatever's left over, you can have it. Or is he first? Let's bow our heads for a moment.